So I'm super excited. Thank you so much for um, have Monica here as a guest. And um, I'm really, really excited. We've worked together a little bit in the past with um, Citrix. Monica is an amazing storyteller. She's worked in corporate sustainability. She's had a, a few documentaries herself that she's posted on, on YouTube. And she's done a lot of corporate stuff, as well, storytelling, as well as just storytelling for beautiful, amazing topics. And Monica, I hope you can tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. I'm Monica Gonzalez. Uh, like Joey says, I'm a storyteller. I, and I really focus on purpose-driven stories. And, and when I say that, they're, they're mainly around planet sustainability, but also the community or the people behind in sustainability. So really looking at a very holistic approach to a story um, when it comes to the, you know, the planet and the topics around sustainability, which I feel a lot of times we leave out the people in the conversation. And I, and I think it's super important to always connect because at the end of the day, you know, we are the, the planet, the people on the planet are going to be the most impacted in, in nature too, in itself. But, you know, we'll feel the repercussions, I think the most. And, and there's a lot of, um, people who are left out of this story, right? And I think it's important for all of us to really get those connection points. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I figured it would be nice to start out with, like, let's kind of define maybe, like, as far as context goes and define, like, sustainability, and maybe, like, what that means, because, like, you just sort of touched on it. And I think it means, like, something different to different people depending on geography, social economics, and, and so on. So do you have any sort of insight that you might want to like start with? When we look at sustainability, there are pretty much three pillars that sit underneath sustainability that, you know, obviously planet, people, and then profit or making sure that we're able to be prosperous. And that goes for the planet and the people. A lot of times when people think of sustainability, they're really looking at the environmental factor, which is okay, right? But that means that the people element get lost in that particular story. And not only that, but also, you know, we are, you know, the more that we're able to uh, preserve our natural environments, the more that we all can really thrive and be prosperous. And so when you're looking at it from a very holistic perspective, that's what sustainability is. And then or when people are talk, a lot of times people get lost in it, meaning only environmental sustainability, which is anything that has to do with your natural resources, right? So ocean, land, preservation, things like that. It's a very holistic and broad uh, term that could be loosely used, but the overall meaning is um, you're incorporating the planet, the people that are on the planet, and then making sure that we're all prosperous or that we're profiting from creating balance and harmony within our natural realm. Right, right. No, I, I love it. And I want to get into like, and then how does like storytelling fit in with sort of telling that that story in, in sustainability? Um, it's like sometimes like from an environmental standpoint, I'll see these videos where it's like the sad, the sad story you know, yeah. um, like the polar bear on ice, if you will. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like there, there's, that's been around that narrative. I don't know, as long as I can remember. So like the 80s, the seventies or before. Right. And, and maybe that worked right. Or like the sad music for like the a dog adoption center and the dog that looks like it. Right. But like, I just feel like there's so much more that you can tell in a story about like, What's the economic value of that polar bear or, or, you know, so I, I, I can go on a ramp, but I, I really kind of wanted your, your point from that. And I think that's the importance of being able to look at a story in a holistic manner where you're also able to connect the dots. Obviously you have to tell the story in a very succinct way, right? So you're not over, um, you're not flooding people with information or you're not, you know, losing the audience, but it's important to really tell a holistic story and how these things connect because the reality is, yes, the polar belt on the ice is really sad, but you also have communities that live in those areas and they are also going to be impacted. And when we're only focused on one side of the story, 
we're not going to be getting, we're not be able to get the full story. We think about a sustainable or an environmental issue and we're just thinking about polar bears, right? And as we can see right now, with so much detriment, natural crises, you have a whole country that's being flooded, right? And then what happens to, you know, the people, the local economies, right? The prosperity and the profit for of those local economies. So again, it's that trickle effect. And that's why it's super important to connect the dots, to tell a story from a perspective. Number one, to tell a story that is able to cover perspectives that have been missed throughout this entire time. And as storytellers, I feel like it is our duty to tell the whole picture because then we get stuck on the polar bear on the ice cap. And it doesn't feel relatable. It feels so far out of reach that we feel like we can't participate in these conversations. And really we're not scientists and we can't really, you know, we don't, we can't do anything about it. And I think that's where as a storyteller, it's our duties to, to be able to tell the whole story so everybody can feel like they're a part of it and it feels relatable as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you said it like phenomenal and I'm excited to talk with you because it's very unique that you've done sort of both and, you know, you've worked with some really great companies and, and, and corporations and whatnot. And I know like for myself, like I, I did a documentary about uh, children with disabilities and art therapy, and it was a phenomenal experience. We were on PBS and all that kind of stuff. And then but then I took sort of that stuff and worked with corporations on how to make this really cool tech company show like what they're doing for sustainability or what they're doing for DEI. And so I wanted to ask you, like, I know that like some of the projects we worked on together where you were were interviewing, you had a set of people where, okay, who's going to be a good fit? Who's Who's maybe good on camera? And like, how do you go about doing that? Um, so obviously, you know, you identify the people that you want to, that are, that are part of these particular groups, right? So, you know, the great thing that, that I've been able to work in corporations that really have these um, defined and set, you know, ERGs or affinity groups, wherever you, you know, whatever company you're in, but basically um, groups of people, right? Um, that that company allows you to kind of work within and really build out have a really close relationship with these affinity groups people like um lee who you and i worked with who you know who was driving those initiatives really create strong collaborative kind of uh, relationships right and then from there um pinpoint you know gain their insights partner with them gain their insights to see who would be willing and then when you now you have like a list of people and now it's deciding who is going to be that perfect fit. Like you said, we all have a story to tell, right? Natu we are all storytellers, right? We don't have to do it for, for work or anything, but the human, the human essence is to be a storyteller. Cavemen started story telling stories and it moved through here. I mean, everybody has a story to tell. And so it's really kind of deciding or feeling, right? So I'm a big person about feeling. You have that energy or that, you know, that you, people are drawn to their story. Um, the way they tell it, their openness. And some people get very camera shy. And then, you know, you, the, those are the people that you don't want, not for anything, not because you don't want to tell their story, but you want the story to flow and you want it to have this basically ebb and flow. Um, and you want to uh, pull the audience and you do that through tone. You do that through relatability. You do that through their own stories and how kind of, uh, you know, interesting their stories. And so pretty much that was like the, the nitty gritty of the process. But, you know, I worked with people. So, you know, I, I, I like to collaborate and I feel like the best way for anything to be told in, you know, to get a, a beautiful product at the end of the day is to collaborate with people, not to just drive the idea down the path by yourself, because then you won't get the, um, what I like to think about is that global perspective, like that diverse mind, right? And so when you have different voices at the table and kind of giving insight and input, then you're able to really create this beautiful story and, and just really walk away with something that's very compelling, right? And it, and it talks to your human spirit, right? And so the thing about storytelling is really connecting 
that humanness, right? That human element in into how you create and how you tell the story. Yeah. Yeah. You said that like beautifully and 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 you made it sound very easy. And like <laughs> I I always like one of the things I liked when I was working with you, um, like when you were at Citrix, for example, it was truly global, like you said. And I, I know you worked with the uh, International Women's Day and I know we did some stuff for like Hispanic Heritage Month, which is like starting, I think, tomorrow. But when we would interview people, whatever the project was or wh who, when you were interviewing people, it was really quite beautiful because there'd be somebody from Ireland, somebody from India, somebody from like the States. And it was just a... a complete mix of cultures and personalities if we tell a one-sided story then we then we're not inclusive in that mental right into in that in that that diverse mindset but we're excluding out stories that are part of the journey for me it's very important diversity is very important because of that right um, diversity in age, diversity in ethnicity and belief, and really having that mindset that we all need to sit at the table together. We all need to collaborate. And when we knock down barriers to our identities and things like that, or the things that we tie ourselves to, we're able just to be so much stronger. And so I think that's that essence of storytelling that I really like to incorporate into anything that I create. Just really get that holistic perspective because not nah, we're excluding out, you know, the full story. And Citrix, it, you know, was a very global or is a very global company. And, you know, we had off, you know, we have offices. Well, I'm not with Citrix anymore, but there were offices here in the United States, you know, Ireland, like you said, the UK, India, Asia. We were all working together for, you know, for, you know, to, to really have um, that global kind of essence of an organization. Yeah. And I think the content that was being put out was was very um, it, it was on top of it. It was it was ahead of its time, you know. Sure was. But it was also it was ahead of its time because of people like you and the way you were crafting the story. And you weren't just like, well, we need something about X, Y, Z. It's who's going to be the right fit. I know that like our conversation, you talked about like how you had to see who was who was going to be like the right person that like you did tests. You didn't just like turn on the cameras and go or maybe you did, but like not you did like you knew you weren't going to use the footage. You just wanted to like interview people to see how they would be as a right fit. And they might be incredible engineers or incredible marketers, incredible what they do, but they, you know, they they may not have been like the the perfect person to tell a story if you will yeah yeah you know there's um a lot of us that are get that get camera shy right a good portion of us are camera shy and so finding that person that is you the audience could be drawn to is it's it's really important because then you're gonna have like you're gonna have like you're trying to fit pieces to a puzzle that really don't fit and they're like oh you're jamming it into the story versus creating that flow of a story. And the great thing was the agency that I worked with was, you know, again, a strong partnership. I mean, I really believe in strong partnerships. You wanna create something that's top of the line is really be open and ready to create those strong partnerships and really collaborate with each other because, you know, we were able to really build and create a, a really well done video for International Women's Day. I mean, it really got, it was basically a tearjerker. Like I, I kept on getting like, I was like, oh, you know, I cried in this video when I saw it. And the team that worked on it, you know, the brand team, um, it was a very small team, but the team that worked on it, we came, we walked away with like tears in our eyes after we finished um, the final product or we saw the final product. I think that's like some of the the most fun in like creating these sort of these things, these vignettes, if you will, is that like, you know, yes, there's the branding side, the marketability side, like, um, you know, if you're looking at it from a recruitment standpoint, oh my gosh, we're going to be able to get so many more people that want to work for us because of this. And that's a, maybe that's the driving force, but it's the reaction of the employees when you're finished that like, I love that's my favorite thing in the whole world. When people are like, I cried. I didn't know that my colleague 
is doing this or went through that? You know, do you have any experiences that you can kind of like touch on? For a lot of us, it was the the um, background stories, right? And so in that particular um, short doc or film, um, we had we were had we had women who were in technology, and as we know, technology really helps has helped advance so many people economically. Um, especially women. So when we look at women in technology, there's always, there's been this glass ceiling. And watching or listening to these women tell the story of, you know, they, they are engineers now, but along the way, you know, they've had all these like setbacks or, you know, I guess the glass ceiling that was put on them and they just kept on going forward. Um, you know, so some came from very, rigid or strict uh, upbringing so you know being a female engineer was not supported or um i think we had another woman who was there she had she came from she came from miami she had um i think she didn't come from a strong economical household and she went into the military and she was at citrix you know being a military wife juggling all of that, but also really, you know, propelling in her career. So just hearing her story. So it's like you have all these things that shape us and and they were able to come into their, this level of vulnerability on camera, um, which is another thing, right? It's like you have to be able to be vulnerable with your story because a lot of times we don't want to tell our stories because we don't want to be judged. That bravery really shined through in that film because women were just really saying, hey, you know, I wasn't raised to, you know, I I think there was a younger woman who they came from, her family came from China and her mother wasn't raised educated because there were, you know, they were farmers or so you have those stories. You have the story of like came from a single parent home, um, home or the story of a single mom and how she never wanted to tell uh, people that she, you know, she was a single mother because she would be fearful that she wouldn't get that, that um, she wouldn't be able to come up on the, her career ladder, a ladder of career, her career ladder. But, you know, again, you have the, that element of vulnerability too in that particular story, which I, I, you know, I think that's the other piece that really draws you in as an, you know, as an audience, really just feel that connection. And a lot of times those things resonate with us because a lot of us have had some challenges or some kind of, not challenges, but, you know, you have those obstacles in your way and and you kind of look back and you're able to say, oh man, can't believe I did that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think vulnerability is really the only way to get that that content out in a story. And um, like going back to like what you said about camera shy and it's like, you know, we use that term all the time and it's like it is a true thing, but it's like it's it's really not. It, it is, but it's it's more just that that wall of letting be being vulnerable and um, sometimes just being able to speak with like, you know, a producer or, or somebody that's like, you know, from a company that's asking you questions can sort of help, help somebody open up. Um, and other times it's really just the internal of that person that they're already sort of balanced where they, it's, it's not, it's an, it's a non-issue. I'm grammar shy, right? Um, you know, so a lot of times people are, you know, when I'm getting ready to present, you know, I have to take those deep breaths and I have to remind myself like, all right, it's just a conversation. Um, and at, and at the end of the day, like it, it, the imperfection or these ideas of imperfections really turn out to be these perfect creations. And, and that's the thing about creativity, like creativity just happens if we allow it to happen versus us trying to like engineer create creativity really. And it really has to be in the ebb and the flow in order to be something that's of creation or a masterpiece or what have you. How have you decided like which stories to tell? For the International Women's Day, that one in, in particular, you know, I, the the idea first started co- with like, we wanted to do something um, similar to another company saying like, work like a woman, I, for, I forgot, but it was something just based on one woman. And then 
Well, you know, the collaborative um, format, right? And again, the stories behind these women. Um, and now we interviewed a lot. I, I think we interviewed like 20 plus women in a matter of a week, week and a half. And it was like my calendar was full from like nine to like two in the afternoon. But again, the likability, the um, the relate to like people being able to relate to that particular uh, person. Um, and then making sure that those stories kind of fit. Like once we decided who it was, we we were just, we recorded them. So they weren't, you know, we interviewed everyone separately. And then the post-production is where they were, that, that agency was really able to craft that story. Um, but we already knew in that particular instance that these stories were strong, right? So in the interview process, you already know these st stories are strong. You're, again, you're listening to everybody has a story and you're listening to how someone's telling their story. And that's the other thing. It's how that person tells their story. And I think vulnerability is pretty like top, top, of, you know, that's top of the line kind of like, you know, who can really be in your story because they're being open and willing to be so vulnerable with their story. For sure. And 20 people, that's a lot. Yeah, we interview a lot. We like it. We took, so, I mean, the project was like, we really pushed that project out. Like, I was so, I was so grateful for the, you know, team that we worked with, but we were on that project for like a month and we were, we, we did it. I didn't think we were going to be able to put it out, but we did it. How did you go about it? Did you like transcribe all the interviews and then highlight the takes that you like? So they transcribed, um, and then this is, that's where we started cutting, like on the post-production side, like how we were going to cut. So we sat down with the transcriptions, kind of decided here, these are like some really key points that we want to pull into the story. Um, and that's, that was pretty much on the post-production side of the, of the video. Um, and then, you know, there would be once we went through so many drafts. So we went through several versions, obviously. Um, then, you know, we will all sit down as a, a collective to say, okay, well, um, this particular, you know, that's not adding to the story, right. Or it's just too much, right. The key was to keep it under a certain, um, uh, amount of minutes, obviously we're in a time of like low attention span. So the key was to keep the video really short, but with enough. And so it was like, what was that meat of that conversation? And that's what we were keeping. What was the most, like, what was the meatiest? What was the the storyline that was different to everybody else's storyline? Because we didn't want it to be, rep you know, repetitive. Like, we didn't want everyone to have the same story. Or we didn't highlight those similar things. So it was like, everyone had their own story. We were trying to pull that out in that short amount of time. And so we did that through transcriptions. We did that once we went through several cuts, we would go back and say, hey, cut this particular piece. So it was a lot of back and forth with the agency, but we got it down and we got it out. And then we had, a, you know, that video got a lot of positive feedback and everyone was so happy with it. Oh, that's great. Uh, it's tough. It's tough when you make those cuts and you're like, you know, sometimes we'll see it where we're like, well, that may not make it into this video, that person or that take but this could be a standalone or we could repurpose this for something else. And, um, you know, so it's not necessarily like not, it's maybe not today, but, but somewhere else. And that's actually what happened. Um, so we were able to pull a short highlight overall video. And then from that, what, you know, I had enough content to really use everyone's video. And so for that entire month, so what I did was like, yeah, mini campaign for International Women's Month. And so from uh, that, that video launched International Women's Day, but a lot of people celebrated the entire month. And so what we did or what I did was um, take the cuts of each particular woman, did a blog post with it, did social media on it and put their video, their whole story on that one blog and YouTube. Well, really repurpose that, you know, I believe I'm a big believer in repurposing content, right? Um, sometimes we make these big films or these big products and we don't really use it um, to its full capacity. And so 
really just finding the different avenues everyone's story could get out and making sure that we were able to highlight that. And that was really cool because, you know, it was a, it, uh, it turned out to be a blog series. They did a blog series for it with everyone's story attached to it. They had their own social attached to it. And so Citrix was ahead of its time. It was really open to do employee stories. A lot of companies aren't so open about that. Uh, Citrix did a really good job of sharing that out. And I was, you know, really grateful to be a part of that project, you know, be leading that project. No, we did it. We did something um, for International Women's Day, too, and and uh, with with a, a, a company. And it was very, very similar in, in the way you're talking about how it was. It was uh, based on Break the Bias and it and it it the first video premiered. Uh, it was like, I don't, um, you know, on International Women's Day, but it, it is celebrated the whole month. And so we did a highlight, and then every week was a new was was a single of one of the people that was featured in the video. And um, and going back to what you're saying about transcripts, I mean, that's where you can do that, where you can quickly search a transcript. And you know, this video might be for International Women's Day, but now I've got a bio video for a specific you know an engineer or or a, a lawyer or somebody in marketing or we want to repurpose something else for first year people or seniors and and so on and i always feel like the transcripts are the secret sauce they are the secret sauce so if you're making video content do transcripts <laughs> yeah it really is but you touched on something and we didn't go into it but I, I wanted to talk about you said like measuring the impact of those stories or like sort of like maybe yeah kpis is there anything that like you can kind of touch on kpis are so like one of those things you're like ah right because you don't know what it's gonna do and really it's all about um the the i think at the end of the day sometimes it's just the paid element behind it to get those level of impressions but actually with that one uh because it went out on International Wednesday, we we got we got a lot of impressions. I mean, that video got a lot of impressions, which is really great. The the following stories, maybe not so much, but but we didn't have such a big like we really put a big splash behind right. the highlight video. It's just really how you position it, how you strategize the story or whatever you're about to market. I think that's important. And it's important to really do a whole 360 marketing mm -hmm. approach. And not just see on, okay, well, I have this piece of content. I'm just going to use a blog. Well, a lot of, some people don't look at blogs. And then you're missing out different channels that you can leverage. Um, you know, I'm a, I like, I like blogs and I, I like podcasts a lot. Uh, I think that blogs, you don't have to like change anything on the web, but you have a blog on your web. So it be, it's searchable, right? So people are using their SEOs. They can run right into your, your blog or your or your little article on your web. Um, and, and I and I think, you know, a lot of times I hear people say they don't like blogging and they don't really feel like it's a, you know, they get, it, blogs get enough hits, but it's still something that is searchable. It's still something on your landing page. It's so many ways you can do a blog visually, right? You can put your visuals in there. You can put your podcast, you could put your, there's just so much you could do with blogs. And um, yeah, I think it's like one of the, it's a, I think it's a really good channel. No, you're right. I mean, blogs, like I look at it now where a lot of times I, I feel like it's almost easier if they're set up right and they have the right system for companies to be doing sort of content sort of like this or interviewing people. Um, and then you can, you can really have your video and then you have you transcribe it and you have your blog and then you have that 360 approach where you have you know you can cut and you can slice down these things however many ways you want to do it now you have your like what i like to think about is your digital th thumbprint on on in, on that particular piece of content and it's being you're able to get more impressions that way so i really like a 360 approach i'm a very holistic person period i like to look at everything as a whole versus it just being one thing because again if we just focus on one aspect one story one channel we miss a, a bigger and broader audience that we can gain um visibility from when we were talking about this you had mentioned the human aspect of it i know we talked like about um like microsoft does some amazing content and the way they're handling some of their employees stories and 
Is there sort of any like insight that you can you can talk about within that? Storytelling is a human thing. Such a old way of the human mind and heart. I think a lot of times that the storytellers are ready to get something out and um, they're not incorporating that human element. And really what human element means for me um, is to make it relatable. Like, you know, you're telling a story about, for instance, uh, my husband has a, a CMOS company and um, we worked on a, a documentary at the beginning or at the end of last year. It was about telling, it was a day in the life, but it's telling a story of like these simple things that are also big for them, right? Because they're coming from the island, they're coming from, you know, they don't have the technology, they don't have the economic backing, they don't have those resources like we have here. And though, and although they might be small for us, it's a big thing for them, right? And so when you tell stories from a humanistic perspective, you're really finding a way to connect and bring yourself to into that person. And really it's all about empathy. Using that, that empathy to really connect into that story that's being told from a human perspective. I watched it and um, it's incredible. And, and you kind of just like, you just like, you said a very, very like nonchalant, but I mean, like there was a, there was a lot that went into that. Like, cause you told me, I loved where you were like, Hey, you know, as far as like, we don't necessarily, yeah, it's a day in the life video, but, um, it, it, all, it, all, it, it almost needs to be called something different. It needs a different title than day in the life because like, it, it was like, you know, you said it, well, I wanted people to know, like, nobody knows where stuff comes from. So you know, in this particular instance, it was farming, right? But like, it could be like anything, right? And and you were just like, I want them to know how it goes. Yeah. And the reason we call it a day in the life is because it is their day in the life, right? And it's like, when you're like, the, we followed them from four in the morning till the evening time, right? And it's like everything that goes into like from making your breakfast or making your tea, it's like, these things that we do in our everyday lives, especially the CMOS farmers, and they're bringing this product to, uh, you know, to, you know, to the United States, right? Um, and they're bringing this essence of well-being to consumers. That's that connection point, and that I always like to think of. Like I'm the biggest. Like if you give me something to think of, there's something that happens. I'm like connecting all the dots, right? But it's important because if we don't connect the dots, then we move as if there is not a trickle down effect. And that's why storytelling is so important, right? We jump in our, we're consuming the, you know, as, as you know, in the United States, we're the biggest consumer of products, but we're not thinking about, you know, where we're getting these products from, the, you know, material resources, and then the capital resources that go behind it, right? And some nations that, provide us things are not being paid a living wage. And that was the other um, thing behind the story is that I wanted people to know the amount of work that goes behind this particular type of farming so that people don't ask my husband for a low cost product and ask, you know, they want to complain, why is it price tied? Well, because they have to get paid a living wage. I don't think it's fair that as a consumer, we're asking for low prices and, you know, and the work that people put in. So I really wanted to tell that side of the story when, when we said that. And the team in St. Lucia, are, they're very talented. Um, they work on some of the high-end like high, high uh, videos on the island, are self-made, self-taught. You know, they didn't they didn't go and put themselves through film school or anything like that. They are very creative and they they themselves have very um, touching stories on what drove them to do this and teach themselves. You know, and again, a lot of that comes from poverty. Whoever's watching this has to watch this. It's, it's really great, a great movie, uh, if you will. And it's not just a sales tool, right? It's not just a. And and I think that that's what gets lost where it's like, oh, it's like storytelling and it's going to be this sales tool for for like 
why you've got to buy this product. There's nothing about that. And it wasn't necessarily also, it wasn't about like the struggles of a farmer and their life is so tough and it's so, oh my gosh, you got to get up at four in the morning. It was really about like showing the passion. And I thought that you and your team just did a phenomenal job of doing that. The visuals are really cool. Um, and so if you watch this, it's got these beautiful shots of of like the water and and drying out the um the moss. But you had these great interviews that or this interview where that was really where the driving force is. So it's like you've got these visuals of them doing, but then you have this great interview and they're they're talking. I don't know if they were talking to you, but yeah, that's talking to me. Yeah. So that's where like that was really like you could have these amazing visuals, right? But it really becomes like how that you were able to craft that story and get it kind of going circle back here to like the the polar bear on the ice cube or, I, you know, the iceberg. It's like you just told this great story and it was it was it was all about their passion and why they do it and why they wake up at four in the morning. It's It's kind of like what you said, like, I love I love my job and I love what I do. And it's like so whatever it is, whatever time I have to do it, like, it's fine. It doesn't matter to me. You know what I mean? But like to show that it's difficult and you did a phenomenal job. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I know. Um, definitely did not want it to be a sales tool. I definitely wanted to be an educational piece. When we look at farmers around the world, right, we're, we're eat. it's our food source. Although this is a supplemental, you know, it's not, it's not a needed food source. Right. But it's, when you look at your food sources, we forget we forget about the people that are right there providing us our nutrition, right? And every one of them have a story. Everyone, you know, everyone wakes up early in the morning. I mean, think about the heat that the heat waves that so many farmers had to endure this past summer. Like, what did their life look like? You know, and so it's really interesting. It's so necessary to connect the dots for people. And that's what storytellers should do and and not miss those opportunities. You have to really take those opportunities to show the the world about these things that a lot of times we miss because we're moving so fast. Sustainability storytelling with a purpose. And I think sometimes that purpose is, well, we want to create a sales video. We want people to buy our product. Kind of like what we were talking about with the um, some of these DEI content could be used as a recruitment video and that kind of stuff. And there is underlying things and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't have that human base, I we everybody sees through it. Oh, yeah. It, it becomes a gimmick, right? So, like, I always think about it like a gimmick, right? If you are... If you're just dangling the carrot in front of someone, I think at this point, so many of us now have the that that emotional intelligence to know that this is now a gimmick. And so you have to see those proof points to say, okay, well, I really want to work for this company, right? Or I really want to buy from this company because they're working with purpose behind it. It doesn't matter what you're selling. But if you're an organization that can really tell that element of purpose because a lot of corporations are doing good, right? There's a lot of times we think that they're not, but there's a lot of corporations that do good and they give back to the community. They help their employees, right? Um, and so I think that's where when companies tap into like their purpose or those programs that they have that they normally keep internally because we don't want to expose ourselves to, then you're able to show the world that you you really are a good culture. You really are, you know, you are really a, a worthwhile company to buy from because studies show and research shows and surveys show that 90% of buyers are going to come to a business that has a purpose behind it, right? Whether it's supporting the society some way, the planet, or maybe it's a combination of both and you have that holistic ESG or a sustainability focus, they're going to come to you. And so you, you know, those programs that you have internally, um, it's important to showcase them because that's how you let people know that you're, you're someone that really cares you as an organization, right? We personify the company 
you as an organization truly care and it shows through your employees and it shows through the efforts that that the initiatives and efforts that the company as a whole is taking. That's on. phenomenal. We've talked about like how you've created stories and some of the stuff that you did with um, other companies. Like what's what's happening now in the space that you're in? I, I'm working at Juniper. Um, I'm the sustainability marketing manager there. And my I've just started there a few months back. So April or late March, but so really focusing on crafting the story from a holistic perspective as well. So really incorporating, Juniper is doing really amazing things, really just doing all the framework, the groundwork, right? You know, it all takes some framework to kind of create those or identify those proof points, identify, you know, how you're going to craft the story. So that's where I am right now, but there's a lot of great things that are coming, right, towards the end of this year, next year. Um, and so you'll be seeing a lot more of what Juniper is doing in this space, which is really exciting to be able to to lead and be a part of. And again, that company has a really great culture. Um, I, I'm really happy to be on board with them, and they, they're really doing, they're not just talking, <laughs> <laughs> That's the other thing. You want to make sure that, you know, whoever is you're you're kind of looking to that they're just not talking. They're walking the walk too. And that's, you know, that's the other part of this particular type of storytelling is that you have to make sure you're not greenwashing it. Well, I was going to ask you, because you do, you see a lot of that. It just seems like everybody with ESG and sustainability, it's like, oh, this is, this is sustainable and that's sustainable. And Apple just came out with a new, a new, um, video about like their stuff and you know it's um it's an interesting space yeah it is i i saw that video by the way uh, yesterday i was like the one with mother earth that one was super great i was like these guys are so creative <laughs> but but you know they have they have a lot of initiatives and that's the thing like they're when you're looking at that big sustainability bubble there are so there there are so many things that that have to be looked at, right? Your transportation, your materiality, your employee, you know, scopes one, two, and three. It, it's just so big. And it, you know, if you don't have, people could do so many things independently, but it's really, you know, the thing about marketing, which is really cool, is breaking those silos out and being able to pull the story, niche it together, and then present it. And so it looks almost effortless, right? And it's really breaking down those silos and those barriers and bringing people, um, having people kind of get comfortable with you to be able to tell you what they're doing and making sure that you're able to stitch that into the story, the overall story. Thinking ahead, any sort of like future sustainability narratives you you like see popping up as as like we kind of move forward? So for the past several years, you know, there's been this conversation of, and and I'm not talking about a corporation or anything like that, but in the in the whole space, you've had this conversation or talk topic about sustainability, and I think that what that has done is create this level of awareness that hey, we have a problem. What I feel we're going to start seeing next is this conversation, and and it's already happening, but this topic of restoration, like how can we, whatever we take from the planet, we're also restoring. And we're also giving back. I think a topic, a good topic of discussion for the past two and a half years, maybe even three, where I'm starting to hear that, you know, buzzword. Um, but you, you know, you definitely have to, we definitely have to start thinking about how we restore the planet because nature has all the solutions. And if we look to nature, then all this could be, you know, avoided. And we also saw that during the pandemic, right? We saw animals taking over the city, dolphins in Venice. Um, you saw, you just saw nature like saying, oh, wow, uh, the humans are kind of chilling. So <laughs> let us come forth. So if we are able to um, really become restorers and um, I have, I, I interviewed, I did a, it's so funny because I'm thinking I have a friend who we did the video of um, the voice of the river. He and I were the executive producers of that particular documentary. And I had the pleasure and honor of interviewing yesterday, him yesterday um, for, for our employees. And he, and he has something, he has a, uh, something on his website site says that, you know, we need to be the restorers. And it's funny that I'm talking about this now because it, it just reminded me of the conversation we had yesterday, but you know, it is restoration. 
um, under that's really much the fundamental. Like now we have to figure out how we mitigate our impact on the planet and start restoring, you know, some of the, some of the damage that we've done. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, is there anything you want to, I mean, I saw that one as well. Incredible. I don't know if there's anything you want to like, you know, so we, we started working on that one for, uh, earth day for, I think it was 2021. And that one really got a lot of great buzz. Um, got a lot of, uh, impressions, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of channels, a lot of PR around it. But that was um, something that that we did for International Earth Day. And we started with um, just an overall Earth Day kind of conversation. Like we, that was the aim. And again, this is where I say collaboration is key because through conversations with the other creatives, the director, the uh, producers, the one thing that came out was like, yeah, everybody knows about Earth Day, but you know, and we had the pleasure, uh, this Jarvis Smith, who is the executive producer, has the pleasure of knowing some of the uh, the founders or the people, the guy who took Earth Day into the global realm. Um, and his name is Mark Dubois. You know, we all made contact. And when we started talking, he just had this story of like passion around his river in California that was about to get dammed. And he knew that the process of damming would severely impact the river. It would basically kill the river. And what he did was he chained himself to a rock at the river, at the Stanson, Stanson River. It was very well shot. I mean, it was my brother um, from Illumaret Productions shot the, shot the documentary. And... It was just really well shot. Story was just, it was during the pandemic, so we could only send one person out to do <laughs> to the interview. Um, and, you know, that's where that, ho- that whole story came from. Just know we wanted to tell pioneer stories, stories that don't get told. You know, we think about Earth Day and we don't know the foundation of it and how it became what it, you know, what it is today. So we really wanted to tell the story. And, you know, for someone who, you know, basically tied himself to a rock and became one of America's most wanted men at one point in time, because he was not, you know, (laughs) he was, he was very wanted in California for that, that act of resistance. Yeah. That's amazing. It's, it's, I mean, look, that's, it's very difficult. It's, it's tough to be able to do both of those like sort of subjects and, and you're doing both from the corporate side and, you know, more just like regular documentary sort of like great human interest stories and whatnot. Any sort of advice for inspiring storytellers, whether from the corporate side or just impactful content? I think, you know, really lean into, to, um, empathy when you're telling stories, when you're telling the stories and, Try to be so cre- creative in a way that it doesn't, you know, it's not a like in your face, blatant tool, t- um, sales tool, right? I think that's the other thing is you soften it, it so it's not another ad or commercial as to what, why you need to, bu- you know, buy my stuff or, you know, be a customer. That tone and lean into that element of empathy and, and, and a humanistic tone for your story. And at the end of the day, it's all around connecting connecting, connecting in how you and I talk to each other, connecting and being open-minded, right? Being able to be brave and open-minded and, and putting down your ego. <laughs> yeah. That's a tough one. You know, putting down, cause as creative, sometimes you want to, you want to put your stuff out there and you feel like it's the, the best and the, like your idea is the best idea and it's the hottest thing, but when you put down your ego, you're you're able to really collaborate and and come across the line with something really powerful. Well, yeah, especially work working in a corporation because you know you still have to fit the brand. Like you know, going back to like the International Women's Day and and or even Hispanic Hispanic Heritage Month and et cetera. You want to tell these stories, and at the same time, it does need to still fit within the culture of yep. the brand. And how does that like? So it is a lot of like it's not just like some sort of a it is a lot when you're creating a story and, and how does that fit with the brand? Yeah, no. So that's why, um, it's important to partner with brand from the beginning 
because then you kind of understand your parameters, right? And so for the Voice of the River, the video was a sponsorship. So it wasn't going to live on, you know, the corporate site or anything like that. And so there was a little bit more freedom like with that. Um, but for anything that was living on the pay on the site itself, it obviously we the the partnership with the brand, obviously visually and the tone of the, you know, the voice and tone of the organization, it has to be a, an initiation made right from the beginning. Um, otherwise, you're going to go down this path of creating and then you're going to get like, you know, you spent your budget and you're ready to push this thing out. And brands like, wait a minute, this is not on brand like you're not following how we want to look externally. So that's the other thing is really, again, I, I, and that's, I'll always come to that it's partnerships, making sure you're, you're, you know, you drop your ego down, you work across the line, you, you become very cross-functional in what you do, um, find ways and opportunities to make sure that, you know, you adhere to everybody's voice, but obviously I mean, in a way that you're able to kind of, you, they're not creating the story for you. It's just really, finding those parameters to, to work within. I, I love it. It's like, um, to kind of recap, it seems like, you know, humanize the story, listen, listen to your audience, um, listen to the brand to an extent, know your culture within, um, drop your ego. You've got to get vulnerable, right? If you're not vulnerable, it's not happening. Um, you're not going to get the content you want. You're just going to have guards up the whole time and uh, it's that flexibility and uh and transcribe transcribe your your interviews transcribe. <laughs> and transparency too like uh, i think that comes with vulnerability as well like trans like transparency then you then you get like this holy crap like you just watch somebody tell their story that you didn't even know and it doesn't ha that doesn't happen unless those guards are down and you as the person working on the project or interview or whatever, what have you, you know, the, you, you also have to drop your ego. Everybody has to drop the, drop the eagles. <laughs> Everybody. Yeah, no, it, absolutely. Otherwise it, it will not work. Yeah. And then you have somebody on camera completely uncomfortable and it's like, uh, it's not working. Yeah. Which let's be real. That is an uncomfortable feeling. I mean, you've got lights, you've got cameras, you may have like three cameras sort of pointed at you in different directions. And then depending, um, you know, you may have like a whole crew uh, in front of you. And, and it, it's definitely not the most, that's not, that's not the place that somebody goes, I'm going to get vulnerable right now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that means that the person that they're working with, like the really cool thing with the International Women's um, video is that the agency did the interviews themselves, right? But they had someone who was soft, right? She was like a perfect conduit to really approach these interviews. And they, she made the, you know, the women feel super comfortable, right? And it's the same thing when, when I did the video in St. Lucia, I have a relationship with, you know, my husband's family, obviously, but it was making them feel comfortable, like softening the conversation before the interview, stopping when they needed to, to kind of gather themselves and really reading your person, right? It's really about reading what's happening and making sure like you're taking cues to their body language, their tonality, making sure they still feel comfortable. And it's important to have whoever's interviewing or whoever's there to, to make someone feel comfortable. I've done a lot of interviews and it's, it's always a little different um, with each person, but how you handle it and how you you go about it, it really depends on the person. For instance, I tend to, and this is you know could be for some advice for 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 people. When I do an, an interview, I don't stop them in the beginning. Uh, I let them just kind of go, even if I know that question that they didn't answer it properly, or maybe they did. They said um and you know, and they started scratching their face as they're like asked, like just normal stuff that we normally do. That I know. Visually, they may not want that on on their story. I know I'm going to ask them that question again. I'm like, whatever I ask those first five questions, I'm going to ask that at the end of the interview one more time, um, so that somebody's not now like robotic and going, "Oh wait, I can't move my hands." Like, because that's like one of the first things I tell somebody too is like, "Hey, I'm Italian. I'm my hands are going, and if I like have to keep these hands like in my pocket, like 
I can't be me and I'm not going to give you anything good because I'm overthinking my hand. Exactly. And that's that's the other thing, right? It's reading people's cultures and backgrounds. Like, you know, it depends where you, you come from. It's, you know, there's this level of expression that it, it is cultural. Like expression is cultural. That's the other piece is like, all right, like you said, making sure that they feel comfortable enough. I'm a hand talker too. So... I can't use my hands. I'm going to start sweating. I'm going to be like, I don't know what I'm saying right now. <laughs> totally. You have to. And then and then having somebody's back as it's going to make sure that like, hey, you know, um, that tie is out of place or your collar is off or or like your hair or whatever it is. Like so that they know that like you ha not that you're trying to make it perfect, but that like I, we have your back. We understand that, you know, you may have somebody that's like, I don't care what that looks like. And and if they don't care, then, then you know, um, you may want to just like leave that alone. But if you have somebody that's very conscious of it, you want them to, to know that you have their back on that. You know, it's funny because like doing this interview with you, I was like, wow, I kind of have to change my, my um, the way I operate. Because normally when I'm interviewing somebody for a documentary or for a, a culture video for a company, the whole goal is you ask a question and then you're quiet. And no matter how uncomfortable it gets, I have to be quiet to get that, to let them just go. Um, but for this, this is like sort of a fireside chat. It's back and forth. So I, I, I need to bring to the conversation. Um, but sometimes when I'm interviewing somebody, it's the complete opposite. It's like this void to an extent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like this quiet sound. You're like, uh. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's where it gets good. That's where you get somebody that's going to really get, well, for me, that's my experience, to get somebody to get that, that vulnerability um, is to not talk for them, to let them talk themselves. Exactly. exactly. And that is, um, you definitely have to pause and stop and let them, you know, let them finish their what they're saying. But I definitely agree. Like, you definitely have to give them that space to be able to um, be able to unleash that vulnerability. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like, is there anything else that, like, we didn't talk about that, like, you'd really like to talk about within, like, you know, yourself and storytelling and, and projects? We are starting to talk about, an, you know, another documentary for next year. So hopefully we can get that off the ground. Uh, so it's it's me, um, basically my partner and some other um, local artists here in South Florida. I love being in South Florida because it's like the, the creative, like, hub. Um so I, I really enjoy telling, I love doing documentary work. You know, I think it's, I watch a lot of documentaries too. And it could, and the in the creation of documentaries now is totally different than what it used to, but it's really tying in. It's obviously done through post-production too, but I'm really able to tell a story that, um, that doesn't fall flat. And then outside of that, you know, just continuing on on the corporate end. Like I said, uh, it's exciting because it's still very early on. There's a lot of opportunity and possibilities. And then, you know, helping my partner with his CMOS business on the marketing front. Very tough. Making sure that when, when uh, you know, with our marketing team that they're anchoring into the right stories. And making sure that we're coming across, um, not necessarily as a, you know, hey, by me, by me, but a lot of education and awareness as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I love I love the video that you all created. And um, yeah, you could do a lot with that, with that brand. I'm looking forward to seeing how you develop it. And um, of course, documentaries, you know, I mean, it's like, um, it's a lot of fun. It, it's funny, like the... Uh, my experience in documentaries, I don't know if it's the same, but like when it comes to, so when it comes to the documentaries that I've done that were more, you know, uh, concepts that we wanted to do and, and whatnot and run with it and do the film festival circuit and, and whatnot, it's, it's, it's like a, a three years of my life sort of like put together from like the concept to the shooting, to the editing, to then the, the additional filming and then the focus groups and then the, 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 the whole nine, you know? Um, and I love that part of it. And for me, I, I have to like, I have to really love the idea. Cause I know like it's, it's like my heart, my soul, my blood. And, um, you know, there's, 
it, that's 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 the payoff for me, right? Um, and um, and the corporate side, it's all the same. It's all like my hard work and 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 all of it is just we condense that all into like thirty days. <laughs> For some yeah, times, no, weeks. exactly what happens. You know, it's a whole different. You know, you have quarters that you have to work within. You know, it's it's not it's not you can take it and run with it for three years. I want to continue telling these kind of stories however I can, um, making sure that you you know able to help someone connect the dots. Basically, that's that's my aim and bottom line. And I really think about our trickle down effect of our life, of our current lifestyles, because they do have an impact. Even, even though we are not thinking about it, it does impact someone, someone afar. Um, it impacts the environment. That's really my aim and how I tell the story. It's just so you can kind of follow down, follow the path all of, all the way to the beginning. Yeah, no, we're in like this great time in, in the world in the sense that Everybody has a sort of a megaphone, if you will, and everybody can kind of get that across and you can do whatever you want with it. And, you know, you could have millions of people that watch it or maybe you just like touch like 50 people or, or five and and who's to put value on one or the other. Exactly. Exactly. As long as you created some awareness. Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for kind of giving us like that window into how you do storytelling, a bit about sustainability and and just a lot of the amazing stuff that you've done. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.